We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish the Constitution for the United States of America. The issue of age and term limits is getting new focus tonight after you had two separate incidents this week where lawmakers, senators, appeared unfit to do their jobs. Senator Dianne Feinstein and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell were captured on camera appearing to be uh, confused and needing help. Running for re-election. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all are going to need a minute. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. In the summer of 1787, as the Constitutional Convention met, one of the things that was not really on the radar was this idea of term limits, this idea of how many terms can a given elected official serve. If you will recall, in the original Constitution, there wasn't even a limit on the president. The president could serve as many terms as he wanted to. Now, there were some reasons for this. We'll get into some of that here in a minute. But in recent days, recent years, much push has become evident for this idea of term limits. Not only do we have term limits on the presidency, which in retrospect would make sense. I mean, this was something that the framers feared, was the idea of a president who would continue to be elected uh, over and over and over again. This was something the framers were very much afraid of and not happy about. But they had in their vision a solution to the problem, and they put it in there. The problem is we just, you know, don't pay that much attention to it. Nowadays, there is a push for term limits repetitively. We've seen 16 states now add term limits to their state legislatures, if not governors. And we continue to see pushes for congressional term limits. This was driven home this year particularly by now three incidents. Uh, the first Mitch McConnell freeze, the Dianne Feinstein, whatever the heck that was, and now this, which happened just yesterday. Talk about what? Running for re-election. Oh, that's Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all need a minute.
stuff. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm not a medical doctor. There's some things that really bother me about this. There's some things that really intrigue me about it. But this morning, calls have been renewed across the country now for term limits or age limits in Congress. I've seen several politicians this morning come out and say that Mitch McConnell is not um, not fit for office, which is remarkable. But that they would say that is remarkable. I, I don't think in previous years and previous months they would have. In the beginning of all this, of course, the framers saw term limits differently than we do today. The framers did not include term limits because they believed that there were reasons not to include them, particularly on Congress. The senators and representatives could be reelected indefinitely as long as they continued to have the support of their constituents. That's key. As outlined in several of the Federalist Papers, including Federalist 57, the argument goes that the people have to be the judges. The people have to make that decision. And as long as the people are satisfied with their representation, then they should be allowed to continue to serve. The primary mechanism for preventing abuses in the system, of course, was checks and balances. The different branches have different interests, had different interests. They don't anymore. And because of that, it was believed that the natural competition and balances and checks between the two between the three branches would keep any I don't know any particular single entity from gaining too much authority. They were also afraid of tyranny. The framers were deeply concerned about the rise of tyrann tyrannical figures. They just fought a war against that, and they didn't want to see that happen again. But their concern was directed more towards the executive branch. The executive branch caused a lot of heartache, and we've talked about that at great length. The idea of one person having that much power, very frightening. Hence the, the reasons why they built in those checks and balances. They also believed that there was a value in experience, and that that was an asset, not really a liability. And the more experience someone had there, they would be more effective and better able to serve the public interest. And as long as that was true, and as long as they continued to be satisfactory to their constituents, well, there you go. The, I think the primary reason they didn't put them in is because they did. They used elections as a natural term limit, as it were, every two years for the House, every six years for the Senate, every four years for the President. The framers believe that regular elections would be the primary mechanism to ensure accountability. And by doing so, that would be the focal point for getting people out. It's a natural term limit, if you will. Now, though that's what they settled on, it's important to remember that many of the framers and founders had diverse and varied view about this. Um, Thomas Jefferson was not directly involved in the drafting the Constitution, but he expressed a great deal of support for what he called rotation in office. It's slight, It was kind of like term limits, but in essence, what he was advocating for is what, what George Washington did, which is 
George Washington could have been president for the rest of his life, but he said no. Uh, two terms is enough, and there you go. Some things to think about in today's world as we get into this discussion, and we're going to focus primarily today on the Senate, uh, just because it's it's in the news. Currently, the average age today, the average age of a senator in the United States of America is 58 years old. Now, believe it or not, that is actually slightly lower. It had been trending upwards, 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 upwards for many, many years. But the 2022 election actually lowered that by a few weeks. But it's 58 years of age. Now, before you think, well, Dave, that's not too old, 50. I mean, you're 60. You don't seem like you're, you know, decrepit, or I am. But keep in mind what the great George Carlin once said. Now, he said it about stupid people, but consider this. If you think about the average age of a United States senator being 58, remember then that half of them are older than that. Now, he said it about stupid people, but you get the idea. The four oldest senators we have right now are Mitch McConnell, who is uh, 80 years of age as of right now, Bernie Sanders, who is 81, a guy named Chuck Grassley, who seems to kind of fly, he's, he's well known, but he seems to fly under everybody's radar. He is 89 years of age. And of course, the oldest United States Senator we have is Dianne Feinstein. She, 89, almost 90, and for all practical purposes, she is uh, dysfunctional in, in, in most observations. I mean, they wheel her out, tell her to say I, and go on her way. So if you go back to that average of being 58, keep in mind that we have one that's basically 90 and many that are in their 80s and late 70s. And then if you get over on the House side, it's just as bad. That is offset, of course, by some younger folks, but they're just lowering the average a little bit. I think that this current push for term limits expresses something. It expresses a general disdain for politicians. It, 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 it shares something in common with the early uh, progressive era of the United States, say 1910-ish to 1920-ish, when politicians were not held in well regard, and they're, they're still not. We, we don't like them, to be quite honest. But the problem is, we're focusing on this term limit idea to get rid of them, without ever thinking about nature abhors a vacuum and what's going to replace it. I think the bigger issue isn't whether or not these senators and congresspeople are too old, but they are, in fact, supported by an electorate that lacks civic values and understanding. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some pros of term limits, that, you know, if, if you want to look at it in those terms. I think one of the most important pros of term limits is that it does bring in fresh perspectives. I talked about this last week, last Friday on my show, uh, episode called New Wine. And it came from a lesson in the Talmud about don't judge something 
uh, and they were particularly talking about young people. Don't judge young people by how young they are. Look at what's inside their ideas. And I think we're seeing a lot of this in the current presidential campaign. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is being roundly criticized for being inexperienced and too young. But is that necessarily a bad thing? There was a time when I thought it was, but I'm kind of coming around on that. You also have a pro that is the reduction of entrenched interests. It diminishes the power of lobbyists and special interest groups over long-standing members. I'm not sure I believe that, but that is one of the, the pros that we're told exists. It prevents career politicians. Again, I don't think it does, but the theory here is that it encourages public service as a duty, not a career. It could, in theory, also cut into wealth building. I was reading this morning that Dianne Feinstein's wealth, her, her portfolio is well over a billion dollars. The framers would have been appalled by that. The idea of going into public service to get rich is a problem. Theoretically, term limits would prevent that. Again, I don't think they would, but there you go. They would increase accountability. Politicians might vote for what's right, rather than what's politically expedient for re-election. And lastly, it would encourage broader participation. If you have more turnover, you get more opportunities for more diverse candidates. Now, conversely with that, there are, of course, some cons of term limits, the number one of which is, as the framers would have believed, is a loss of experience. Experience does matter in governance, and new members may lack knowledge on complex issues or even the legislative process. We've seen that happen in some of the states. There isn't also a serious potential for increase in lobbyist power. This is basically the plot of the movie The Distinguished Gentleman. A guy who has no clue what he's doing gets elected to Congress and, well, <laughs> are you for or against something? I got money on both sides. It also encourages short-term thinking. Legislatures are focused on short-term goals rather than longer-term goals. This shows quick results rather than long-term sustainable uh, policies. It also could result in increased campaign spending. I don't know that that's a bad thing, but we're back to money in, in, in politics again. Now, the reason I don't think it's a bad thing is because I work in radio. Radio survives on advertising, and I can tell you that in my day, in KFIV time, political ads were, prime, were one of our primary sources of income. We loved political season, although it did tend to cut into to chat time. And theoretically, it does away with the natural term limits that the uh, framers and founders believed in. The, the problem with, with the term limit is that it takes the burden off of the engaged civic voter to make a reasonable decision about whether or not a politician is being successful or not. And it turns it into, well, a popularity contest. As I said, by way of example, there are 16 states which currently have legislative term limits. There are, these have come about since 1990, I think was the earliest one, and they continue to gain traction around the country. 
and more and more states are still talking about it, more and more states are beginning to adapt it. And they vary in how they're doing it. For example, in some states, you can only serve a maximum of X number of years in the legislature, regardless of the House. In some places, you can serve X number of terms in one House and X number of terms in the other. I can tell you this from my own experience. In California, it has been a disaster. If you go back to all the pros of, of term limits, in, and, and you look at California, none of these have worked. You've got no fresh perspectives because the parties are running everything, so it's the same. The parties are picking the candidates. The parties are deciding who's running. So the perspectives are limited to those. Which, of course, in California, which is basically a one-party state, is pretty much pointless. In no way has it reduced entrenched interests. And in no way has it prevented career politicians. Why? What you end up with is politicians who bounce from position to position. In my own experience in Modesto as the radio host, we watched as politicians would be termed out of one office, turn around and run for another office because they would have these giant war chests that they had put together for campaigns. And they would literally run for office after office after office and continue to serve. We've seen some of them serve in state offices, come back to county offices, come back to state offices again. And in some cases, at least one case that I can point out, even Congress. It didn't prevent career politicians. It didn't increase accountability. And it certainly, even with Prop 25, did not, did not increase uh, broader participation in any way, shape, or form. So the question becomes, are term limits something to even consider? What is this going to be a solution to whatever problem it is that we think we have? And the problem we think we have right now is we are being led by people who are incapable of functioning as functional human beings. If you go back to the Mitch McConnell video, and this is the second time this has happened, that video bothers me, folks. I mean, there are some things about this video that I find to be disturbing on so many levels. Number one, the man clearly is not capable of functioning properly. That said, he is approached by people who are controlling him, and I, I don't know what they're doing specifically, especially the guy that comes in later, but it makes you wonder. I mean, you go back to the die-fi thing where, you know, the, the, the aide just leans in and says, just, just say I. Who's actually running this here? Who's actually the senator? Who actually has the political power here? The man standing in front of you frozen, or the two people that are coming up to him and telling him what to do? I am appalled by this. I, I, on a personal level, I'm concerned about these politicians who are, let's just say, advanced in age. In a football metaphor, one of the most heartbreaking things I ever watched was John Elway's retirement speech when, when he announced his retirement. John Elway was, what, 36, 30, maybe 40 years old? When I was 40 years old, I was still playing hockey. But I started to realize shortly thereafter that 
I can't do this. It, as much fun, as much as I enjoy it, the aftermath is killing me. I would have bruises that would last for months. And I wasn't playing full contact. And I watched John Elway make his speech about, look, I just can't do it anymore. It's not that it's not fun. It's not that it's not interesting. I just physically can't do it. You never see that with a politician. You never see a politician stand up and go, you know what? I'm 73 years old. I'm 70 years old. I'm 65. I'm 67. And that's it. I'm done. I, you know, I want to go spend time with my grandkids. I want anytime a politician says they're leaving to spend time with their family, you know, it's a lie. But the bottom line here is that no politician ever stands up and takes that accountability and says, you know what? I'm, I'm too old. I, we need somebody younger. We need somebody who can do this, who is better at it than I am, more engaged at it than I am, who is actually doing the job as opposed to having handlers come out here and tell me what to vote I. Is that enough of a reason to put in term limits or even if not term limits, maybe age limits? This is becoming an issue with the presidency. You know, we keep talking about how we want fresh ideas and fresh leadership, and what do we get? Older and older and older people. Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Ronald Reagan. It's like we're afraid of the young people. There's something there that's wrong. We could, if we had term limits or even age limits, start seeing more primary election challenges. We could start seeing more of that. The parties are going to hate this, as, as I, I've mentioned before. The parties are never going to go for this. But even more important, the Congress of the United States is never going to go for this. You understand that. The Congress is never going to do this. In fact, I had a comment from, uh, I think it was Mike Kruger, on the Facebook page about this. But they might be forced to. The reason we have a 17th Amendment is because Congress was so afraid of the people having a convention and changing other things as well that they went ahead and gave the people what they wanted, which was popular election of the Senates, of the Senate. May not have been the best idea, but there was some reasons for it. And one of those was popular opinion. And as popular opinion builds towards term limits or at least age limits, there may be something there. Now, again, you're going to get the courts involved. Are age limits constitutional? I mean, if you, if the people put in a constitutional amendment that says term limits are, are there, but can you do that with ages? I don't know if you can or not. I see the problem as twofold. I see politicians who are so power craving and so power mad and controlled by people who have no concern about the interests of the people. Those two people talking to McConnell bother the hell out of me. They really do. Instead of treating him medically, it's like they're trying to control what he's doing politically. Same with the people at DiFi. Instead of saying, hmm, she's having an incident, we need to get her out of here, just vote I. Just say I. Those people are a problem, and those people are the reason why these politicians hang on, because why wouldn't they? They're being controlled by that. That's the first problem. The second problem is, of course, a disengaged and unconcerned electorate. We, the people, are the real problem. None of those things that the framers believed about term limits work unless we, the people, are doing our job. And if we're not doing our job, well, 
what did we expect was going to happen? Exactly what the framers said was going to happen. Exactly what the anti-federalists said would happen. Could it be solved? Can this whole problem be solved? In some ways, term limits might address the issue. They could, in theory, solve some problems. But until we, the people, take control and accountability, things are not going to change. Believe me, these politicians will find a way, just like they have in California and other places, they will find a workaround, and they will argue it. If you don't believe me, well, think about this. You know, many states, California especially, has a residency requirement. In order to be a politician, a, a state legislature, a congressman, you have to live, according to the California Constitution, you have to live in that district. And you have to have lived in that district long enough to establish residency. Politicians in California, Republican politicians in California, routinely ignore that. They claim that, hey, you can't, that's unconstitutional, you can't do that. Term limits could solve the problem, but I don't think they will pro solve the problem in its whole. The only thing that will solve the problem is uh, the government being afraid of the people, which, of course, more and more lately, we're being forced into that corner where they're not afraid of us anymore. And I don't mean afraid of a rebellion. I mean afraid of our votes. They're not afraid of our votes because, well, why would they be? If men were angels, there would be no government needed, as Madison wrote, but they're not. The Constitution gives we, the people, not just the power to act on this issue, but the duty to act on this issue. It's our job. And if we're not going to do our job, why would we expect they would? At the end of the day, we're going to have to figure this out. Either somebody's going to have to pull these politicians aside and say, no more. You can't, you can't continue to do this. Or we the people are going to have to tell them in no uncertain terms, you can't do this anymore. But it's going to be up to us to engage in that civil discourse, our family, our friends, our politicians, and it should be a question that we should be asking every politician when they run. Assuming you get elected, at what point will you say, I'm done? We had a politician in, in California, in Stanislaw County, who I asked that question on the air, and he assured me that he would serve no more than two terms. That was now a decade ago. He's still there. Is he effective? He's probably the most effective member of that particular legislative body. Did he keep his word? No. All I can say is, if we the people aren't going to do our job, why would these decrepit, ancient liches of politicians do theirs? <laughs>